Hi, and welcome to the Willow Ridge Church Weekly Podcast. This is where you can find audio for our current and past sermons. We hope that you enjoy this week's installment, and be sure to check back next week to hear the latest message. Thanks for listening. We are in, in Matthew chapter 3. Before, before we go there, one more thing I want to talk about, remind y'all, we've got a couple of mission trips that we are doing as a, as a church. Uh, one is our men's ministry. Not only are they doing the, the wonderful uh, Low Country Bowl and Oyster Roast, but we will be doing a mission trip to Black Mountain Children's Home November 7th through the 13th. Uh, this is a construction slash chainsaw crew, and so if that's you, if, the, if construction and chainsaws is your love language, there's a wonderful opportunity for you to go and be a part of this trip. Some of the details that, that I left out last week that I want to give to everyone, um, that, that's, a, that's a Saturday to Saturday, I believe. But if you're like, I can only give a couple of days or, or three days or four days, but I'd like to go and be a part of that, then we have a place for you on that trip, all right? We understand to get a whole week off right now at work might not be feasible for you, but if, that's, if, if you're thinking you might want to be a part of that, there's a sign up out in the lobby. Please put your name down. You are not committing, but it gives us an opportunity to, to begin to build a communication team so that people can make their decisions. I was telling Kevin Schultz this morning, um, as I've been talking with the Black Mountain team, I do want to throw this out there to every to all the guys that are thinking about going. Here's what they told to me as I've talked to the head of, of maintenance and construction for Black Mountain Children's Home. He said, every team that comes to Black Mountain Children's Home whether it's an adult team, a men's team, a women's team, a high school team, every team that comes to serve, the standard of perfection that they hold them to is our Willow Ridge Middle School Ministry, all right? What they said is every team that comes on the last day is scrambling to get their work finished and sometimes doesn't finish what they said that they were going to do. They said, on the other hand of that, the Willow Ridge middle schoolers show up every time, and on the next to the last day, they're like, we're done. What else you got for us, all right? So that is the standard that you're going up against, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade middle school boys and girls. So that's the level. I want to challenge you. I'm putting my money on the middle schoolers, but I do want to challenge you to see if you can come up and see if you can rise to the occasion for that, all right? Um, But then also another team that we've got going on is, is November. 13th through the 20th, we're going to be taking a team of about six to eight out to Utah. A little bit different trip. We're going to be going out there with with Hope Valley Church with Dustin Stopman and his family to help them. Uh, That's going to be more of a relational evangelism, discipleship opportunity. One of the things that they've talked to us about that they love to do is they love to create environments where where they can send their their, their staff and their their church to, to mobilize, to share the gospel and invite people to their church. And so when teams come in, that's what they do with us as they use us in those opportunities. And so we're going to be doing some evening park ministry during that time. And so I want to throw that out there. Now, I did ask Dustin, I said, hey man, can I ask you a question, right? Because in South Carolina, we get like this much snow 
like every 10 years, okay? So here's the question that I have for you. What is the likelihood of seeing some snow November 13th through the 20th? He said, Bo, highly likely, and some of the ski resorts may be open, right? So when he said that, I said, well, what's the chance? He goes, oh, we definitely can get y'all out there for an afternoon, all right? So if you would like to go skiing, that would be a great opportunity to partner with that, right? We're going for Jesus, but if skiing comes out of that, right, God will, God will bless that, I fully believe. All right, so Matthew 3, let, let's jump into that. Oh, you can sign up for that in the lobby as well. So Matthew 3, that's where we're going to be this morning, and we are beginning a four-week series on baptism, all right? We, we are Baptist. Baptism is in our name, so I feel it's important that we talk about it. Now, a lot of people have questions about baptism, and, and what is remarkable about the questions that I get from people uh, about baptism is this. They, they got people from different denominational backgrounds, people who have been in church for a long time or a short time, but I find it really doesn't matter how long you've been in church. I, I find out it really doesn't matter how, what denomination you're a part of. Most of us have questions, honest, good, sincere questions uh, about baptism, and what I love about that is, is there's a million different questions about it. And so as I've really been praying through that, one of the things that I felt like God was, was leading me to this summer was to do a, a series on baptism where we just kind of stop and, and pause for a minute as a church and talk about that. Uh, you heard in the announcements, we're going to be doing a, a baptism service on October the 10th. And so as you go through this, if you feel like that's what God's speaking to your heart, we would love to have you be a part of that day as we are celebrating what God is doing. And so what we're going to do in the next four weeks is we're going to look at baptism baptism. We're going to talk about baptism. Now, I want to say this. Uh, each week is not going to give us an all-encompassing, this is baptism, this is done. And, and to be honest with you, even in four weeks, we're only scratching the surface about baptism, what God is doing in baptism, what God is communicating in baptism, and why we are called to be baptized, but also to go and baptize, all right? So we're going to, we're going to talk about that. So the, the first thing that I want us time to get to but before we get to Matthew 3 is this. Why is baptism important? Why is baptism important? You know, regardless of the denomination that you come from, regardless of when people do baptism, baptism is a part of every mainstream Christian denomination. It's a part of it. Everybody feels like they do it you know, more correctly than the other, and we're going to get in through that of why we do it the way we do it later, but it's a part of it. And here's the thing I want us to get, all right? Baptism was not man's idea. Man wasn't sitting around one day and thinking like, hey, what can we do? Oh, let's baptize, all right? Let, let, let's do this. This will be something that we can bring in and implement in the church, right? Th this isn't like, like how we utilize social media. Like this isn't something like how, we, how can we figure this to leverage us. It, the exact opposite. Baptism was created by God. So here's what I want you to think about. Uh, the illustration that I often use in, in weddings is, is we need to understand we're not trying to figure out how to do marriage our way. Like that's when we complicate marriage, right? Marriage is God's idea. Marriage is God's creation. So we do it God's way. doesn't matter what my feelings are about it. It doesn't matter what my opinions are about it. We do marriage God's way because God created it. So who are we to say it should be done our way, all right? And the same thing with, with baptism. As God gave marriage to mankind, God gives baptism to mankind as well. 
And so what we want to do with that is to try to understand, all right, God, why do you value this so much? What are you calling us to do in this? And then as individuals in our response to baptism, but also as a church, as those who baptize, we recognize that when we do this, we are falling into obedience to the Lord. All throughout this, we're going to see we're doing this not because we, we want to, we do. We're doing this not because it's exciting, it is. We're doing this because God tells us to. It's God's creation. So why is baptism important? Number one, Jesus was baptized, all right? Jesus was baptized. Now, we're going to look at that later today, so I'm not going to really speak to that. That's going to be the main part of the message here in just a minute. Jesus was baptized. Number, number two, why do we baptize? Baptism was a part of Jesus' ministry. So as Jesus' ministry is going on, baptism's a, a part of that. Uh, John 4, 1 through 3. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, Although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, we're going to talk about that later too, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. So in the earthly ministry for about three to three and a half years of his earthly ministry here, Jesus baptized in his ministry, or even better, Jesus had his disciples, gave the commandment, and they baptized the followers of Christ while he was walking around this earth before his crucifixion. So baptism was a part of Jesus' ministry, so it needs to be a part of ours. Number three, why is baptism important? Jesus commands baptism, all right? We've been talking about this for a long time, all right? There, the Bible is filled with the commands of God, not the suggestions of God. Jesus commands baptism, a verse that we know that we've heard many times, and if you hadn't, make special note of this. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then verse 19, he imparts the mission of God to the church. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. All right, so we've heard this many times. And the two words that we focus in on, which are very important words, are what Jesus begins with. Go, leave here, and make disciples. But then Jesus gives us the formula. This is what this looks like. What are we to do? We're to baptize and we're to teach. These are the things that happen. Now, evangelism is woven in there in the process of discipleship, but baptism is a part. It was Jesus' parting words, his commands to the church and to us today that what we are to be about, what we are to do, is to go and make disciples. And we do that by baptizing. And we do that by teaching. And so not only did Jesus have this in his ministry, but he commands it to the church. So Jesus in Acts, he ascends, do they exhale and say, whew, we're done doing that. No, 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 not at all. Number, number four, why do we baptize? The early church baptized. Acts 8, 12, and there's numerous ones that we can see in the book of Acts. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. It continued on. And I can get super nerdy and dive into church history and talk about all the way through how the church has continued on with this. Now, a, a little precursor for where we're also going to get to in, in a different week. It's important for us to know that belief led to baptism. All right, Belief led to baptism, not baptism to belief. 
right? So that's it's important for us to understand, especially while we do things the way that we do things. So people would come, they would confess, they would profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Salvation would be given to them by God, and then as a response of what God was done, they would be baptized. And so it's why when we bring out our baptistry and we set it up right here and we have men, women, and children go through it, it is not that in the hopes that they will be saved, but it is done out of a heart that has been saved, and so they are baptized. And then what is, what is interesting in here, that this was something that all converts were baptized, right? What we see instantly and throughout the book of Acts, over and over again. Look, look back at verse 12. Kevin, if you can pull that up. But when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized. Right then, all converts were baptized and the importance and, and the value of that. So that kind of brings us into why baptism is so important. Each week, starting this morning, we're going to dive through and try to understand and try to see what does this mean for my life. I want to be honest. I, I hope some of you are, are wrestling within this dynamic within yourself of, well, I'm a shy person. We're going to get through some of those things. Well, well, I've been a believer for years, and it would be embarrassing for people to know that I've never done that. We're going to work through some of all these things. I mean, there's a million different reasons. There's a million uh, items on the list for people to say, well, this is why I haven't been baptized. But what I want to urge you is, is through the leading and the drawing of, of God's Spirit in your life is to recognize that Jesus was baptized. Baptism happened in Jesus' ministry. Jesus commands it to us and of us, and as the church has failed in many different ways throughout the years, the church has continued on in baptizing. And so we see the value and know the importance of it. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to stop and, and look for just a few minutes about what happens concerning Jesus's baptism and we're going to start reading Matthew chapter 3, uh, verse, verse 1. And, and I'm going to read a little bit, stop and talk, and then at the very end, we're going to hit four points pretty quickly, okay? All right, verse 1. It says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is, who, uh, he, for this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. All right, so let's pause here for, for just a few moments. So John is the prophet that was promised by God. He's the cousin of, of Jesus in Isaiah who would come to the Jews, and this is important, to make way for the Messiah. So in the, in the Old Testament prophets, it's just the scripture to them, but it's the Old Testament prophets for us. They've been continually reminded of the Messiah that God is going to send to save his people. Well, in Isaiah, God says that he's going to send one before him that will announce and that will prepare the way. And so God sends John to the Jewish people to, to, to proclaim this message. Now, this is, this is really important, guys, for, for us to get this and understand the importance of baptism because the Jewish people were God's outwardly ethnic chosen people. They were the historic people of God. And so God sends John to them to proclaim this message 
As God's people, there's the Messiah who is being sent who will save you. And that's important. And they were part of God's covenant, and they had taken on the symbol of God's covenant, the meaning of God's covenant. But God is going to send Christ. Now let's look back at verse 4. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and had a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. And then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptizing him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now, really quickly, John's kind of a weird guy socially, all right? So he's the guy like out, the wild man out in the wilderness, and he's got a different diet than others, and he's got some different things that are going on, and we don't really want to focus on that. We want to focus on the two things that, that he is doing uh, that, that, that really matter for us concerning baptism. He's doing two things. Number one, John's preaching a message of repentance. That's all John's talking about. So like every time you hear him, same thing over and over and over again, that this is what his message is going to be. Repent, confess, and then the second thing that he's doing is he's baptizing people. When you respond to the message that John is proclaiming of repentance, and then John says, all right, well, let's baptize you. Let's take care of this. Let, let, let's do this. And what we see in this, remember back from before, Right? It's not the Gentiles who are coming to, to John. This is important. It's the Jewish people who see the need for repentance, and they are coming to John. Now, for a Jewish person to receive John's baptism was, was radical. Was radical. This, this is making a statement. This is, this is dropping a stake in the ground of saying what is going on. God's ethnically chosen people are responding to John's message of repentance and then being baptized. And here's what's going on. They were saying in this that they now, they don't belong to God based on the fact that they were born into the nation of Israel. But in their baptism, they are saying they now belong to God based off of their confession and repentance. This is huge. This is huge. It's not because now where I was born and the family that I was born into and the lineage that I was born into, that's, that's, they're, they're moving from that and they're saying, no, 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 it's now based off of faith through confession and repentance, and this is marked by baptism. And these people were already God's chosen ethnic outward people, but now John's saying, you've got to get right with God. And just because you're Jewish does not mean that there's the guarantee of salvation. And this is profound for these people. And people are responding. And what baptism is, was their renouncing their old dependency on their ethnic Jewishness, and now they are relying on the mercy of God to forgive those who have repented. 
It's where we see the, the heart of the gospel begin to, 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 to rub through and, and come out in the ministry of John even before Christ. It, it, it's why we can look forward to at, at, at Hebrews chapter 11 where it goes through the list of, of all the Old Testament people and it's not by their name that they were saved. It's not by their ethnic nature that they were saved. It was by faith that they were saved is what we find in Hebrews chapter 11. And so this is what we see taking place at a larger scale as they are coming to John. In verse 7, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Verse 10, now, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, right? Like there's a lot of what we see in these words of John that we will see in the teachings and the words of Christ, right? There's a lot of overlap that's happening there. And, and this is uh, the, the, the introduction in a lot of ways of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And it's not just Jesus that's going to have this conflict with them. We see that John has this conflict with them as, as well, all right? And so the, the Pharisees and Sadducees, if you don't know, they were not only the, the ethnic Jewish people, they were, they were ethnically Jewish, but they were also the spiritual Jewish leaders of the time. And I love John's words. I'm going to kind of put them in Bo's words. Hey, who told y'all y'all needed this, Right? They're kind of his enemies. So I don't know that I really want to see you here at this point in time, right? Who told you you needed this is what he said. But, they, but, 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 but John wants them to understand of what he's demanding, of what he's asking. You see, if anyone could be saved because of their ethnic origin, it should be the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It should be these guys. They should be the ones that have it. But instead, John says, who told you that you were objects of God's wrath? Who told you that you're the ones standing in, in the way of the wrath that is going to come? And they would say, well, well, but it wouldn't be us because we have our father Abraham, so we have salvation. And, and John says, no, 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 that, that's not it. Because what God is doing is God is raising up children who will repent. This is, this is the nature of what is happening here. It, it, it's not just this religious uh, exercise that's being done. It's not people trying to earn their salvation. It's not another religious act to just get right so that we can check the boxes. That what's coming and what is based out of these teachings of John very early on is establishing, no, no, it's faith. It's faith, not in me, not in what I've done, not in what I've been born into. It's not faith in me at all. Instead, it's faith in God because I'm a sinner who needs to be saved. And then baptism will be the response of that. And so now in, in verse 11, John begins to talk about Jesus. Verse 11, he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. 
He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So what, what John's doing here is John says that, that, that he baptizes with water, that this is the response, largely what we do. John does what we do, but Jesus will baptize also in a different way, in a way that you do not do, in a way that I do not do. I've never baptized and not able to baptize any this way, only Christ, that Jesus will baptize with Holy Spirit and with fire. And so I want to talk about that really quickly this morning. I read a commentary that referred to it as spirit fire baptism and my old school roots of, of, of going uh, to, to my, my grandparents' uh, charismatic church growing up that I love so much. It just feels to, to well that back up on me, right? Like, like spirit fire baptism. Love it, right? right? And so here's what, what, what John means. Here's what is meant by spirit fire baptism is that when people are, are saved, we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, right? Like largely seen in Acts chapter two. But then the spirit does something. So you're baptized in the spirit of what John is talking about, but then also, there's also a baptism of, of fire where, where, where God refines you, refines you. Don't look at fire here as the fire that destroys. Look at fire here as the fire that was used with, with metal that brings out the imperfections of the metal so that what's left on the other end of the fire is perfection and purity. And so John says, that's what Jesus does. And that's what we see in our life. When we are saved, what God does is he fills us with his Holy Spirit. And spirit fire baptism begins to be what happens within us. That over the course of our life, whether you are saved for five minutes and then pass, or whether you are saved for 80 years and pass, what happens is through spirit fire baptism, this Holy Spirit is working in you and I to refine us, to mold us, to shape us into the person that God's called us to be so that we are growing in our faith, more obedient, more dependent, and more in love with Jesus. And so John is just laying it on in this moment. And then verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. Verse 14. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? I, you ever felt like there's been a point in time in your life where you don't need to be the person giving the presentation, but that everybody else does, right? You don't need to be the person doing the job, but the person who you're doing the job for does it because they're a little bit more qualified than you, right? I, I feel that way all the time, right? And, and, and this is what, what John is doing. John's like, nah, Jesus, I don't need to baptize you. I need to be baptized by you. And then verse 15, but Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he, being John, consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And what we see here is the baptism of Jesus. And so, really quickly, we're going to wrap up with these four things. What can we learn about Jesus' baptism, and why was Jesus baptized? 
It's always been a, a, a funny thing. Most people have those questions, right? Like the questions of the Bible that we hope to, to answer. Why was, why was Jesus baptized? What can we learn from this? Well, well I hope we can draw some things from it this, this morning. Number one is this. Bapt- baptism is about a profession, right? Because baptism comes for us after salvation, we understand and know that baptism doesn't save. But what baptism has been for for you and I is a public profession of faith in Christ to our church family. It's why we do baptism the way that we do it. It's why I prefer that we do it the way that we do it. Because what we have is is a massive group of brothers and sisters in Christ. Some who know you, some who don't. And we are professing to one another that I am saved. I'm a part of the family of God. That I may have have said a prayer. I may have gotten saved at at a conference. I may have gotten saved uh, having a conversation at a coffee shop, but in this moment, what I am doing, I am professing my faith in God publicly to everyone and identifying as his through baptism. Now, does this mean right, that Jesus was not saved? No, 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 no. That's not what this means at all. Here's what Jesus is professing. Here's what Jesus is sharing. Here's what Jesus is making known, right? We're reading this on the early onset of the gospel because what's going to happen from here, next we're going to see the temptation of Christ in the wilderness, and then we're going to see the public ministry of Christ. And so what Jesus is professing here is salvation. And it is not his in that he got saved, but it is his salvation. Right? Do we get that? It's salvation in him and in him alone. And the profession that Jesus is saying is his ministry of seek to save the lost. The public ministry of Jesus in a lot of ways begins in this moment. So baptism is about a profession. Number two, baptism is about repentance. All right? Now let's, let's walk this back a little bit. If baptism is about repentance and Jesus never sinned, then why is Jesus performing an act of repentance? That's a fair question. John's calling people to repent and to be baptized. So if, if, if repentance is solely about confession of sin and acknowledging that you're a sinner, then why in the world is Jesus getting baptized? Because Jesus never sinned, not one time. So here's what I want us to get. Repentance is two parts. Is two parts. The first part is yes, repentance is a confession of sin and is what you and I, what we are called to do. We confess, we repent, and our repentance, we are saved, and we continue on in that with our life. But repentance is more than that, right? Repentance is not just acknowledging where we messed up. Repentance is a commitment to the Lord to obey him in everything moving forward. So it's not just enough to say, you know what, I I shouldn't have said those words. I shouldn't have done that thing. I shouldn't have thought about that. I shouldn't have watched that. It's acknowledging that we did and then making a turn to understand that we were choosing our own way and now we are choosing the way of the Lord. We are committing our obedience to him. And if you're like me, you're starting that cycle over before you realize it over and over and over again. And so repentance is confession of sin and and choosing obedience. And so why is Jesus getting baptized? And he's declaring to everyone his full obedience to the will of the Father. An obedience that's going to lead him to the cross and to the grave. 
to pay for the sins of man. You see, in, in baptism, when you go into those waters, you're publicly saying two things to people. This is what I was saved from. This is what God saved me from. Every sin that you had committed, every sin that you are currently committing, every sin that you will ever commit, this is what God saved me from, repentance. But then there's also the other part of repentance that says this, and this is what God is saving me for. This is what God was saving me for. Because God didn't save you, God didn't save me to say, I'm good. I'm done. I finished. Let me just go here and wait for Jesus to call me home, right? No, that's not it. Repentance is saying, this is what he saved me from, and this is what he saved me for. And so when you step into those waters, it's the public profession of faith. Man, I'm on board. I'm obedient in every area of my life. It's what we see as it's why it's a part of discipleship to say, come alongside me, challenge me, help me grow in my walk with the Lord. And so baptism is about repentance and what Jesus shows us. But also baptism is about newness. It's about newness. Right? For Jesus, is going to be a new ministry. Not new for him. He knew. He knew while he was sent. But we're going to see the newness of Jesus can continue on. And as you look and you flip through the Gospels, we're going to see the Sermon on the Mount that's going to happen uh, and continue on in Matthew 5. We're going to see Jesus call Matthew. We're going to see Jesus heal two men with demons. We're going to see Jesus calm the storm. We're going to see Jesus do all of these things. None of these things that Jesus was doing before. And now he's doing them. And it's a newness of ministry. There, there is an old where he was, but now there's the new as he's been, as he's showing the world who he is. And for us, it's the exact same thing. Baptism about newness. This is who I was. This is who I am. Like if there's a phrase that, that, that I wish we could, we could purge from the lips of Christians is this. I'm just a sinner. I'm just a sinner. Because what, what we mean by that is, is, is we're just trying to excuse away the things that we do. We're just trying to excuse away. We, we, you know, I still got these issues that I struggle with. You know, I'm, I'm just a sinner. It, it, it's like it's a, a get-out-of-jail-free card, like wipe the slate clean, but the Bible doesn't identify you when you're in Christ as a sinner. He identifies us as saints, and that's who we are. That's why when we're baptized, we, we, we're, we're acknowledging, we're showing that the old has gone and the, the new has come. All right. That's why when we baptize the way that we baptize, actually the word baptism means to immerse underwater. And so that's why we do it the way that we do it. But there's a symbolism that happens in that as well. There's a symbolism. And what I want you to get the picture of is, is when you look at the baptism, I want you to picture a tomb. I want you to picture a tomb. And you do what with a tomb? You, you, you put a body into a tomb. When it's dead and Jesus died, he wasn't asleep. He wasn't unconscious. He wasn't in a coma. He wasn't tricking everybody. Jesus was dead. And he went into the tomb. And when we're baptized, when we baptize others, we're identifying with the death of Christ. That the old you, the old me, is now dead. And that just as Jesus three days later came out of the tomb, that you and I, when we come out of the water, the symbolism that's there, the story that we're communicating is the newness of life. This was who I was, but this is now who I am. 
There's the newness of life, for the old is gone, the new has come. Paul talks about that he was the old man, but now he's the new man in Christ. You see, there's a newness that's there. There's the newness that we're declaring. But then lastly, and this will conclude on this, baptism is about relationship. I, I love this, uh, Matthew 3, verse 16 and 17. I want to read those again. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. Now, verse 17, really quickly. Um, some people believe that, that what verse 17 says was that this was something that is internally heard by Christ, but that is not the words that are used. What this means is, um, uh, <laughs> maybe bad illustration, but I'm going to use it anyways, right? Um, have you ever like, been at a, a Walmart and, and lost your kid for a minute? Right? I was the kid that was lost repeatedly. Not because my mom was irresponsible, because I liked to hide, right? That's what I did. And I knew that it was okay as long as I could see her feet or hear her voice. But all of a sudden, when I realized I couldn't, and I heard, Bo Bradbury, would you please report to the front counter? Like, I knew it was getting real then, right? I knew that I was in trouble. The voice that I could not see was now reporting of who I am, and my mother was waiting for me, right? So when, when, when people read this verse, there's people that like, like well, it was just a spirit thing that was felt. Mm -mm. No, that's not what Scripture tells us. Scripture says for all of those who were around, there was a voice from heaven that spoke. That said, this is my beloved son with who I am well pleased. And in that moment, God the Father is drawing the relationship between him and God the Son. And that when you and I are baptized, it, there's so many of us who spiritually speaking are trying to be ethnic Jewish. Well, it's about somebody else and I'm just doing what I have to do. But it's about identifying I was lost and now that I'm found, I was an enemy of God, but now I'm a child of God. And he's my father. And he sent his son to save me. And this baptism is letting everyone know that I was lost and now I'm found. I was a rebel, but now I'm redeemed. And that he is mine and I am his. The beauty of the hope of the gospel. We're going to talk about baptism for three more weeks. What I encourage all of us to do during these three weeks, whether you're watching online, whether you're here with us on Sunday morning, is just ask yourself and evaluate. And begin with this. Not do I need to get baptized. That's, that's important. It's important. Don't, don't begin with that. Ask yourself the question, am I a sinner or am I a saint? Am I old or am I new? Am I lost or I'm found? Begin with the gospel. Baptism doesn't save you. Jesus does. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, we thank you for the beautiful picture of baptism. Lord, I thank you for the for the privilege that it has been for my 18 years of ministry 
to have the, the, the privilege of baptizing men, women, and children. Lord, I thank you that we as a church get to be a part of that, seeing the profession that people are making, that understanding, Lord, that they're, they're walking away from their sin and choosing to obey you with their life. Or that they understand that the old is gone and the new has come. And that they're a child of God, saved by the blood of the Lamb. Lord, as we meet over the next several weeks, as we battle all that we're facing, Lord, could we remember that is through you and you alone we have hope, meaning, and purpose. It's through you and you alone that we have life. And Lord, it is through you and you alone that when our heart stops pumping, when our lungs stop breathing, Lord, that that is not the end, but it's simply the beginning of eternity with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to read a verse. This is a, a little something extra. It's the power of God safe I feel like right now we're reminded continually about death one of the battles that I'm talking with with a lot of people what I hear in their voice is a lack of hope yesterday I was out in the backyard doing what I do I was listening to a podcast and a man came on and he was talking about hope and he read a verse in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And he says, it says this. And they have conquered him, him being Satan. They have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. So in death, what they find is their victory. Not because of what they've done, not because of what they've achieved, not because of some religious act, but what it says is by, by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of the Lamb. And church, in this world, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say amen and, and go sit down in a minute, but in, in this world, can we stop being a people of no hope? Because we have hope. We have hope regardless of what the numbers climb to, regardless of the many that we lose, we have hope. And we have hope because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of our testimony. And, and this testimony is not what you and it's not our list of mission trips. It's not the sins we've committed, but it's the testimony that Jesus Christ has saved us. It's the gospel of Christ, not of you or not of me.
So we're, we're going to respond in, in, in song. I love the song we're about to sing. But as we go from here, and I'll go sit down in just a second, be a people of Revelation 11, uh, 12, 11. They have conquered him, conquered all that this world can throw at us because of the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Thanks again for listening to the Willow Ridge Church weekly podcast. We hope that you enjoyed listening to this week's message. If you'd like to learn more about who we are or explore additional resources, visit us online at www.willowridgechurch.com or by searching for Willow Ridge Church on Facebook and Instagram.